You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. We climb through the windows and we explore, we probe, we question the world and the people beyond the window. And while we do this, we're going to be asking some critical questions, such as these very people that I was just referring to. Who are they? Who are these people? Also, what are their habits? Also, also, how are they treating each other? Also, 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 what decisions are they making and why are they making them? And the final also, times five or six, wherever we left off, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we pass back through the window to modern times where we ask ourselves the final ultimate question on behalf of all of humanity here in the early 21st century, which is, you guys, this movie that we just watched, that we just soaked in and, you know, spun it maybe once, maybe twice, sometimes three times, this very movie, are we going to keep watching this? Is this a thing we're going to go out of our way for, to make an effort to show ourselves, to show our friends, show our family, or is it a vacuum? Is it empty? Is it simply the void to be left to sort of uh, float. Do voids float? Uh, I don't know if they could. To exist uh, in matter elsewhere, just somewhere else. Fuck it. Get out of here. Movie. We're going to find out. (laughs) I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible, infallible panel of international experts at being human in the early 21st century, starting on my left, you know her, you love her, you show up for her on a weekly basis. It's the one and only singular Shrishma Nike. Hey, Shrishi Boo. Hello, Justin. Welcome back to the program. I was very impressed with your use of science in the introduction. Oh, you like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty serious. Solid, Would you, solid. Does that make me a scientist at this point? It makes you a Shrishi scientist. Okay, great, great. We're scientific thinkers. It's not accredited. Right. Uh, Shrishi University right. cannot legally give you a document that says you're a doctor or a scientist or a lawyer or something like this, but vibe wise? Vibe vibe it was right it was right there. <laughs> Ace A. Right on. You Thank were you so a much. Postdoc in Wow, you enjoyed my thesis yeah. I laid out there? Yes. Sciencey thesis about windows. And voids. And and the Floating void, yeah. Voids. Floating voids, right. Mm. How much does a void weigh? Write us. <laughs> we'll never know. Party line at oldmovietimemachine.com. Because we don't know what we don't know. Well, boy, there not that the, <laughs> the core tenet of Shrishi Science? On your left, and also across the goddamn Atlantic Ocean, she's the best in the biz, folks. Sister biz, that is. She's my sister. She is your sister. She is the world's sister sister. Carolyn Nowrose is on the program. Hi, sis. Hey there. Well, you just got a little round of applause from, from Trishma Nike over here. She is happy to know that you are with us. It's a mutual admiration club. I love Trishy Boo. 
Oh, you guys. I love you too. When do we get a little side project from you two? When do you guys meet up and record your shows and your chats and then edit them and put them At out? At least we have to do Sound of Music when you're here, yeah. Carolyn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, oh, We're doing so much when okay. she's here. Nobody is allowed to get sick during that no. time. <laughs> Carolyn will be making the journey to the studios over here in Iceland uh, at the end of April. So you will be getting loads of that kind of themed content coming up. I hope you folks are ready for it. Just like I hope you guys are ready for today's motion picture film. Gang, the Noirs of March. March on. <laughs> it's great. Is I'm it settling in? It sounds you. natural. It's, it's sounding more and more natural. The Noirs of March. Uh, is a t-shirt worthy though? Mm. I survived the noirs of March. That might be more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I survived the noirs of March. <laughs> well, it's happening. Week two of the noirs of March. March. <laughs> Excuse me. Last week, of course, we had the incredible Niagara. Well, I mean, I thought it was incredible. Some people disagreed. Such is the nature of this program. We do get uh, split cards here sometimes. You know, like sometimes the the. The judges can't agree who who landed the most blows, right? So sometimes we split it up. Sometimes it's three to one. Sometimes two to two. Sometimes we get uh, a sweep, though, either thumbs up or thumbs down. It, it's been known to happen. It happens. We'll see what happens today, though, because we are watching 1954s. Remember, we're doing this in sequential chronological order. Last week was 1953's Niagara. This is 1954's Black widow uh i had never seen this movie before you guys ever seen this no nah carolyn i had never seen this before okay uh i will mm, refrain from comment at this point because we have to do our one-line reviews for black widow starting with shrishma nike I didn't have much but i thought i just generally uh my general one line review for this one was um, when gold digging goes wrong. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Fair enough. I mean, pretty simple, pretty clear cut case. Carolyn, do you have a one line review for 1954's Black Widow? Yes. Um, Black Widow is a film following um, a, a social climbing young woman who is not that attractive, social climbing with Thank some you. very unattractive. People. People. <laughs> but powerful and wealthy people. Mm. <laughs> I think only Ginger Rogers and uh, who is it from Lever to Heaven? Oh, uh, Iris? Uh, yeah. There are, Iris are Denver? Act- yes, yes. Our actual leading ladies of the stage are gorgeous, but mm-hmm, everyone else, mm-hmm. I don't need to see him again. <sighs> I mean, it's okay, because, Carolyn, I'm going to respond to this with my one-line review, which is serviceable thriller filled with hotties, because it's not just Lottie and Iris. We're also talking about, let's not forget, Claire. Do we remember Claire? Claire is the friend with the brother. Yeah. Who is a hottie. She's she's, She's also a hottie. She's not the hottest, though. You know who I think might be the hottest? Mm. Nanny. I'm going to reserve until we get to that point. But that's a teaser for you guys. There's somebody in this movie who I found to be absolutely gripping. Like, I think I know who you're talking about. We'll find out. We'll find out. Great job with the one-line reviews, guys. Yeah, we did what amazing. are we doing now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I just want to say, I guess I have to confess that I didn't watch, finish watching the movie. Where did you leave off? Um, I left off, like they were going through her recap. Like they were recapping what. So they were, you were getting flashbacks. Flashbacks. Sorry. Was it about the um, the events leading up to the eventual spoilers murder? Right. Like that thing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were close to the end. Yes. You know enough to know. Yes. When we tell you what happened, yes. you'll be like, oh, yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, I didn't finish it. So to me, um, I still don't know who com- who was the murderer or was it? Okay. So <laughs> this is exciting for the listener. Right. Shrishma does not know who may be killed. Right. Nanny, whatever her last can name I is. Give a, can I give a new one-line review? Yeah, Carolyn, please, if you would. I was going to swing back to you anyway, because I feel like, look, guys, I just want to be candid with you. I feel like our one-line reviews, oh, that I feel was like, bad. like they ran redo. out of gas. Like we, like all of us ran out of gas. We were zero for zero in that round of not even one-line gold diggers? reviews. Actually, Gold Diggers was pretty good. That was, that was okay. good. That was good. Yeah. I'm more. I'm disappointed in myself because okay. I waited to the last minute. Carolyn, what do you got? You want to do round two? Yeah, I want to do round uh, two. Let's do a second draft. Okay. Carolyn, do you have a uh, Carolyn Narrows over across the Atlantic? Do you have a one-line review of 1954's uh, Ginger Rogers's Black Widow? Yes, um, it's a New York who done it, but the question needs to be asked: Do we care about it? <laughs> do we care about the answer? <laughs> <laughs> Like All right, Carolyn. Thank you. I'm glad we did draft two. I feel like that was a great punch up, and I mm-hmm. think it's really going to carry the show into its next segment here. Uh, are there any further? I never asked this, but are there any further comments before we get into this? No, let's get into it. <laughs> I think we're good. Okay. Okay, guys. So this it's Black Widow. As previously noted, it's a noir fitting the noirs of March as they march on, um, and it stars a man named Van Heflin. Now, do you guys recognize this man? No. No. You do, actually. We spent a lot of time talking about this man in our episode for Boardroom Handies, a.k.a. Woman's World. Mm. This man is the man who was tapped by the pervy dude uh, who kisses the trampy wife. He's the husband of the trampy wife at the the end of that movie. He's the Texan? Okay. Obviously, you know, very uh, memorable character- Characters for the, the entire film, I don't remember any of their names, uh, but I do remember the name of the movie. It is Woman's World, mm. and that is a pretty decent episode from us. So go back and check that out if you're a big – if you saw Van Heflin and you're like, damn, I need more of this in my life. I was thinking, you know, so per my poorly executed one-line review of there being a number of hotties in this movie, I was thinking, like, I feel bad for – you guys, you ladies, like, do you ever see men in these movies where you're like, yeah, I'd date, I'd date that. Sean Connery in this particular No, no, just in, just in any of these. I Sean mean, Connery. yeah, Sean, yeah. Sean Connery, okay. Yeah. I think Rock Hudson in the- Rock gets pretty good reviews from everybody. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, he's good to look at. I don't care if he's not into women. He's still pretty. But what's interesting is, so Carolyn, you think the women aren't hot in this and you think they are? Well, I, I think Iris is hot. Yeah. You know, Gene Tierney, like, we, you know, we, we speculated about, like, what Gene Tierney, the star, she plays Ellen in Leave Her to Heaven, right, in mm. 1945. So this is almost 10 years later. You know, what happens 10 years later to that gripping performer? Because I didn't know. And she's great here. And she, 
uh, puts does a great performance and stands by her man. Oh, and I think Ginger and, and Rogers is lovely as well. Great. Right. Ginger, not so much my type in a uh, a physical sense, we'll say, but great performance as well. I mean, yeah, and but who this can was out of character that? for her. Sure, she, and she's got she's working that transatlantic mm. accent like nobody's business. She's Lottie. She's Lottie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't think that our social climber was attractive, and I think mm. in large part because of her yeah. hair. The her hair bad. was bad. It's yeah, bad hair. So what we're talking about here, we're talking about a character named uh, Nancy. Nanny. Or, I mean, she, yeah, her nickname is Nanny, but her name is Nancy. Uh, I do not recall her last name. <laughs> Doesn't Ordway. Boardway? Ordway. Interesting. Nancy so, Ordway. Oh, Ordway. Ordway. Oh, okay, okay. Ordway. I was like, is this like a poorly executed play on Broadway? Boardway? Like, what? What was the writer thinking? Okay. Nanny Ordway. Anyway, she is, yeah, I, her hair is short and curly. And looks crunchy. It looks like a box of ramen. Looks crunchy. Yep. Yep. That's true. And also she is, uh, look guys, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but she's a little crazy, right? Mm-hmm. She's got, she has some issues. I say crazy with respect. She has some issues in her mind, uh, a lot of fantasies. And uh, social climbing that she is trying to accomplish in her very busy writing day. Because she's also a writer. So just real quick, we'll get through the intro here. So so we meet Peter Denver and his wife, Iris Denver. So Peter is Van Heflin and Iris is Jean Tierney from Leifer to Heaven. And they are saying goodbye at the airport. She is an actor, a very famous actor and he is a producer of presumably Broadway shows and they're parting ways. She has to go be with her mother who has fallen ill in new Orleans. So she's leaving. And before she gets on that plane, which she just has to step outside and walk on there because those were the times, right? There's no, uh, no metal detectors back then. Uh, she, before she does that though, she makes him promise. Yes. I'm going to go to our friend's apartment upstairs Slash also the star of the show that Peter is producing. And I'm going to go show my face and pretend to have a nice time because they've invited me. He doesn't want to, of course, because he is a man and he, he does end up giving way though, because uh, you know, like I say, his wife is hot, you know, she's do whatever she wants. This gets us to this party where we meet Lottie played by Ginger Rogers uh, who at this point is sort of what, like eh, late middle of her career, Carolyn? I'm not, yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and is really putting on quite a performance in this film. She's very uh, kind of big, I would say. She's giving a, a big, big performance as her character demands, right? So she is married to a man named Brian, who also is excited that Peter is there because you know, if I got to suffer through this bullshit, so do you, buddy boy. So get back in there, you know. So Peter, uh, feeling a bit anxious about the crowd inside the apartment. And these are massive apartments, by the way. These are huge penthouse guys. Uh, he heads out to the terrace and just stares out over the city. And he looks over and who does he see but a young woman who is also staring out over the city looking kind of morose. And this is the aforementioned Nancy 
Boardwalk Broadway Ordway. What is her name? Ordway? Ordway. Ordway. Yeah, yeah, Boardway, like I said. And she is wistfully gazing out over the city. You know, what's going on in that mind? What's what's happening up there? He is, I guess, intrigued that. I don't know. What do you think? Like, what do you guys suspect? Why did he start a conversation with her? I mean, I think it's just human nature. Like, you know, here's He's, I'm at this party. Yeah. We're out here alone together. Yeah. Let's strike up a conversation. She looks sure. like she's in a bad Annie wig. <laughs> you are totally right. The, uh, listener, in the theater of your mind's eye... <laughs> The sun will come out tomorrow. Yes. You like she's about to break into song and dance. It's a hard knock life. It's also like she's some street urchin looking for a daddy mm. warbucks. Well, she certainly is. Isn't in a cheesy Annie wig. She's the also very. <laughs> the hair's so bad. Yeah, I Please, know. Trishma, make sure that you um, use this particular photo to do. <laughs> Side by side with Little Orphan Annie. Yeah. Okay. That's a great Little Orphan Nanny. (laughs) Little Orphan Nanny. Oh, shit. I wonder if that's on purpose. Probably. Could be. Okay. So we know a couple things about Nanny. She has bad hair and also she likes to talk. Uh, She's. Oh, you know what? What it is? He doesn't strike up the conversation. She asks him to start a conversation with her mm-hmm. because she says her mother said, if you're at a party for 30 minutes and nobody yes. talks to you, you can't then get you're a, man a loser to talk to you. or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then she's you like, should, I've been here. Then you should go home and kill yourself. That's what her mother said. Thanks, mom. Oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Thanks a lot, mom. Damn. Um, so. It's harsh. That's intense. So she's like, I've been here for 25 minutes. Will you talk to me? And he does because he's, listen, Peter Denver uh, an an imperfect man, of course, as as all men are, but not a bad man. Like this dude, I don't know. He falls into some bad circumstances. It he handles it fairly well throughout. But I don't have a problem with this guy. Just like I didn't have a problem with him in Boardroom Handies too. I believe I said the exact same thing. So maybe Van Heflin is like one of my favorite actors. And I don't even realize it. I don't know. He does talk with her, and he finds out that she is what, 20 years old, and she's an aspiring writer who hasn't been published yet, but she wants to write, just moved to the city, and she is fretful and also very hungry. So Peter asks her, because he doesn't have any plans for the next couple of weeks, he's like, well, why don't we go get dinner together? And she sort of takes that as um, a come online, right? And he's like, and he reads into that right away. He's just like, no, not like that. Just we'll just go have dinner and be friendly, and that's it. And I actually, for once, believe him. I think that somebody drops that line and really does just like, well, let's go out to dinner. You want to go? Maybe back in the 1950s, it wasn't like a she reacts it, though. Yeah, like she's I mean, sort I of would like, react mm. to like if a guy is asking me out to dinner, like yeah. that would be my first reaction to, yeah. So it's not like. Mm-hmm. Mm. But he he's pretty good about um, diffusing that right. tension and just be Fair like, enough. come on, I'm he just was very uh, honest with it. Look, I'm more than twice your age and I'm very married to this hot, famous woman. 
Like, don't worry about it. You know, we can be friends. Um, Carol, I thought I heard you open your mouth. Yeah, I I have a theory about the hunger, but I feel like we should. I mean, unless you're going to save it for uh, Yeah, when we get there. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's we'll just save it till you get there. Peter eventually leaves, and then he also. Wait, what is. He goes home, point? and he. Because his wife, Jean Tierney, is. Yes. Uh, he had to drop her off at the airport. She's so she at the hospital with mom. Right, with her mom. Right here, which, by the way, just real quick. Ashtray, hospital ashtray. Hospital ashtray. You gotta have it. And I just, I, I took this shot of uh, Pete hanging out in his, his single bed, and the wife's is across the table there. Uh, but also ashtray uh, in between the beds, as you need. I like his robe. Nice this is one. a pretty good. Oh, look at that! He's got some red in there as well. That is mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. No, Peter Denver. He's living a very good life right now. He's a Broadway producer. Yeah, married to a star, yeah. living in this baller apartment uh, with this incredible robe. Right. Going out to dinner with friends. He's got friends now. He can say he, no to going to parties. But I he like tells it. his wife all about this young, starving artist of a girl exactly. he takes to dinner out of the goodness of his heart. And mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm home. He's like, that party was boring. I went to dinner. I met this kid, and and, th- and that's how you're first heard this kid. Yeah, and he's and and she takes it really well. She's not. She's not. Uh, he then lists out what she eats. You know what that kid got away with for dinner? A whole mess of marinated herring, two big bowls of pea soup, steak about the size of a doormat, four vegetables and some tomatoes, a bucket of salad, some cheese, and a chocolate nut sundae. No coffee. Yeah, that was really right. quite funny. Yeah. She, like, she ate so much. Yeah, she was so hungry. <laughs> I have theories about this. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Coming soon? Coming soon, yeah. We gotta okay, get to a great. point where, because I don't want to be a plot spoiler. Now, we should know, and that's appreciated, Carolyn. Thank you for noting that. Uh, I'd like to note that you've noted that. And, uh, Shreshma, could you make a note of that? Noted. Thank you. There's actually a plot. And, um, well... We should also acknowledge the fact that Lottie and Brian see them leave together to go get dinner. Mm. And Lottie is very, Lottie's a real mixer, mm. little Ginger Rogers. She's uh, she's always raising the old eyebrow like, really, Peter, is this what you're doing with your time? This woman, this child, you know, whatever. She has a real she attitude about everything. about everyone. Oh, yeah, she does. She, she likes really to say does. them. And she also probably likes to spread those opinions all over town. You know, like her, her uh, piecing things together. So kind of good with that. I'm kind of good with her being the town crier. Well, and Peter seems good with it too because he's like, before you hear it from Lottie, let me tell you what happened. And you know, he everybody knows that she's going to be talking, and you can believe X amount of it apparently. So yeah, so this begins their little uh, friendship, Pete and Nanny. And here's Iris. And she, damn Iris. So I just wanted to point out this establishing shot of a New York City street because I believe we have seen this identical shot in a previous film. I will do some research on this for the future, but I think this is a repeat stock footage of, you guessed it, New York City. And the reason I recognize it is because we have this old sort of neoclassical building, I believe I referred to as a post office or a library or something. This Knickerbocker beer sign that's on the back uh, that's 
uh, on this billboard up against this. Uh, Are we thinking this lo- is from um, an affair to remember? Could be an affair to remember. It could be the best of everything. It could be there's so many New York movies from this era, but uh, this Knickerbocker beer, this one really sticks out to me and, and made me think that ah, this. I think we've seen this before, and this is I. You know, we should say this is a 20th Century Fox picture. We've watched loads of those. This reminds me of the scene in An Affair to Remember, very specifically, where she gets out of the cab to go up to the top of the Empire State Building. Okay, yep, could be, could be. I I will do some research. I will look through our previous slide decks and find. I think I took this identical shot because (laughs) Knickerbocker beer. You know, take a picture. Anyway, we are in New York. In case you were worried about it, you know you need unique New York, guys. And Nanny arrives via flashback to her uncle. So now that we've established our characters, we're going to go back three months. Peter narrates this for the audience. And we see Nancy Nanny's arrival. And yes, she does meet up with her uncle, who is an actor. they don't refer to him as an uncle, though, ever, do they? No, it's no. always like my sister's brother or my mom's brother or something like that. So it's always a weird phrasing. And he seems very sort of uh, not a relative. I don't know. He's very aloof. It's an odd relationship they have. But anyway. Little or- a little orphan nanny seeing if he'll be your <laughs> daddy warbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, come on in. Why not? Um, I guess. And- okay, let's let's pretend i had a child and it was annoying and probably looking to be a social climber and killing people i don't know ruining their lives ruining people's lives that would be a child Mm. of mine okay and it shows up in iceland and knocks on your door and and says hey i'm 19 (laughs) and uh you're my uncle and I'm moving in with you. And I'm moving in with you. <laughs> okay. Mom and dad are That's dead. a fair point. I would have <laughs> I would have a lot of questions. Mm. I would. Shrishma, don't you give me that look. Like, I would. Take a DNA test. <laughs> yeah, look, I know I'm going to need some affidavits. I'm going to need something with a raised seal at the bottom of it. We then go to Peter's office. Iris is returning home from caring for her mother in New Orleans. And the reason we paused on this shot is not just because Peter is having himself up. My wife is almost home. I can get some cigarette, which he clearly is here. But in the little uh, lobby area of his personal private office, I did want to do another ashtray inventory because we have one on his secretary's desk. We have one on the far table next to the sofa. And then we have one on the opposite side of that sofa. That is three. Count them three in the space of, I mean, this is what, like a three foot by three foot area. We've got three ashtrays. I mean, basically, you could just close your eyes and put your hand out, flick the cigarette, and the ash lands somewhere in one of these trays. So just want to make note of that. Peter is a committed smoker, and he has brought that uh, gusto to the office with him. Good for him. So he goes to pick up Iris, and they return back to their apartment, and they return to find that the lights are off, but the stereo is booming the opera Salome, which has been quoted earlier. She, uh, Nanny quotes it earlier, and it's, it's sort of a running theme that will rear its ugly head yet again later on. And she, they find themselves a little suicide comic, actually... That quote comes into play right now because that's what she puts on this little comic of her 
uh, hanging herself, basically. Uh, anyway, as they continue sort of poking around their own apartment, now that the sound is on really loud and the lights are off and you know they're, they're checking things out to make sure everything is all right, they find her nanny. They find her body hanging. And she has apparently hanged herself and left behind a little comical suicide note about love and the weight of love and, you know, how that shit's heavy sometimes. And at this point, we know that she's just maybe dating that brother character. This is all we know is that her and John have a thing going on. Yes. So we now move into the post-death phase of this movie. What is going on? How did this happen, you guys? That's what we need to get to the bottom of here. So the police are obviously called. They take the body out and we get all these uh, obnoxious press people sort of taking photos of the body being rolled out of the Denver's apartment, presumably because Peter and especially Iris are very famous people. And there's <laughs> these these paparazzi are just like, can't you pull that sheet off her face? Like they say something similar to that anyway. And it's in poor taste. Now, Lottie and Brian stop in also to weigh in on their opinions of what has happened, and they just can't believe it. And actually, Lottie refers to Nanny as, quote unquote, that dingy little creep, which I thought was a pretty sick burn. Not even Peter, with all of his radiant innocence about women, could have been stirred for one instant by that dingy little creep. Good one, Ginger. Mm -hmm. So it's intimated that there was an affair is the the short version of all of this. And this is why she has killed herself. Hey there, everybody. It's your old pal, mid-roll Jay-Z, likely interrupting myself to let you guys know about a little thing that we like to call the boom room. Now you're probably asking yourself, what the fuck is this guy talking about now? Well, what I'm talking about, guys, is, and watch the language, please, is our Patreon page. And that's right. You can join us for $2 a month. And think about it, $2. I mean, you could easily set fire to $2 bills monthly and probably not feel too bad about it. And that's what we're talking about here. Burn your money by spending it on the Boom Room. It's our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes. And what you're going to get for that two bones, you're going to get twice the content. Because every movie we talk about here in the free feed is actually talked about for about twice as long because we go scene by scene. We give you the full blow by blow, people, so you don't want to miss it. You want more of the scenes. You want more of Carolyn, Shrishma, Catherine, uh, maybe myself, and sometimes Brindis. So all you got to do is just sign up two bucks a month. That's nothing, people. You can do it. We would love to have you. And if you do join us, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to thank you like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show. Now, Peter makes some interesting decisions at this point because he knows that they're coming for him. He, he has his inside track, but he also knows that he needs to provide some kind of evidence that's going to absolve him because uh, he's taking a look at these facts and the way that they are lining up. Oh, this does not look good for him. You know, this is not going to be a good month for the Denver family if things remain the same. So what does he do? What everybody should do when somebody's coming for you, you run away. <laughs> he just grabs his hat and he just books it out of his own office, takes the fire escape, everything. Is and this the same time period that we find out about Nanny being pregnant? That happens 
feel like that was part of the same thing where the detectives were like, she was murdered. Did you know she was pregnant? Yeah, I remember them saying that line. I just feel like I would have made a note of it, but maybe not. Okay, so, oh no, it's before then. This is during the blind shot. This is when Iris and Brian stop by and then Peter kicks them out and Brian then drops the bomb on the entire, well, the entire, both of the Denvers that, did you know that she was pregnant? And nobody did, but we are all astonished. But how did Brian know? I believe the police told me. Yeah, I think they were speaking with them. But yeah, so the pregnancy news is out. The murder news is out. It's all out there. And Peter is out there too, running for the hills, trying to find something to get him out of this jam. Uh, Fortunately, the the detectives are next to useless. And so they lose him and he just gets to go about his business. And where does he start? You know? Also, he's white. So. And, and also, he's a he's a white man. He's a he's a rich white man too. I mean, we can throw in all those factors. They all add up to, hey, 1950s man in a gray suit. There it is again. Crazy. He does call Brian back to be like, hey, thanks for the call. I just wanted to let you know that I ran away from the police. And Brian's sort of like, is that a good idea? <laughs> like, should should you have done that? I think I think they want to speak with you. I think this looks bad for you, friend. But. Pete's on to the next thing, and he needs to track down, I don't know, something that's going to get him out of this. So Peter goes to Claire's apartment again, Claire Amberley's apartment, pretends to be a policeman to get her to open the door. He then bursts inside, puts her in a headlock, and pries the info out of Claire about the timeline of when... Nanny told her that she had met Peter and they established a date. We're not going to get too deep into the weeds on this, but this does start establishing a timeline, which will come into play Mm. later. So Nanny told Claire a bunch of things that are seemingly outrageous, you know, like that we, that don't line up for us who have been watching this. That's a really interesting way to get information out of somebody, I suppose. Put somebody in a headlock, right? And then after you let them and go, like, and they sit, they back sass. You, she puts his, he chokes her basically, like he puts his hand I mean, on her like, throat. He literally took. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's in scared. most places that's illegal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a death grip. Okay. okay, and I was defending Peter here uh, um, as a not, decent guy. Yeah, like 30, 40 All minutes right. ago about how cool mm-hmm. he is, but you know what? I'm going to take that back because mm-hmm. the choking, you can't do it, guys. That's what did it for you. You can't. I'm just kidding. Well, he doesn't actually murder Strishma. Is that what is that the conclusion? So it's not Peter. <laughs> so he's fine, okay? He can uh, do what he wants. Okay. So he can choke women. Now <laughs> All right. Look, we're headed into my favorite scene, right? Oh. So after he goes and chokes Claire, he picks up the trail of the mysterious Nancy Nanny at the same cool hip club that she was waiting mm-hmm. tables at. Now he goes there and the place has been shut down. <laughs> it's so it's so weird that it's shut down. Like why would they change the location? I don't, I don't know. Like were, were they shooting a different movie on that set that day or what? I mean, the do- it's 1954 New York, I guess. Things open things and close. happening. Hey, I get so. it. There's a very, fortunately for him, there's a very friendly in the loop older man sitting on his stoop who's like yeah yeah no it's close he gives him the whole rundown like yep yep cop shut it down they didn't have a license and all this and he's like but who are you looking for and and she's like yeah i need to talk to somebody who used to work here at this time and he's like i'll tell you what you do you gotta go speak to ann she used to run 
the coat check. And now she's around the corner at the bar and grill. You can find her there. Go find her and talk to her. And so enters into our picture uh, the next hottie, Anne, who is, I think, my favorite character, right? So here she is. We need to spend some time with her because- Representation Watch. Representation Watch. She's an African-American woman. Her name is Hilda Sims. Looked into her a little bit. She uh, has a, a very big theater background, was on Broadway, and was just starting to get roles in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shortly after this film, actually, she gets blacklisted in, oh. during the 1950s communist you know, witch hunting. Oh she God. is accused of communist sympathies and never works in film ever again, really. Uh, it's really sad. She only She's only in four or five movies. And the sad part is not that... I mean, it's sad enough that her career was ruined because of blacklist bullshit. You know, a lot of people were affected by this. Uh, doubly sad the fact that uh, she's an African American woman in the 1950s in a, in a genuine role. Right. Uh, she she's participating in the plot of the movie. We have we seen this at all? I mean, like we we rarely, if ever, see this. I guess Quarrel and Doctor No, um, but he's still just driving the boat. You know what I mean? Like. But number three is the fact that I think she's a really good actor. Like, I like this performance. um, It was a good performance. And she was actually like, I I felt like um, she looked really good. She had a really nice look about her. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. she, her, her performance, like what sets her apart, I think, is how naturalistic the performance is. It's not, I mean, especially coming off of Ginger Rogers and that, her accent, right? Like right. it's so heavy and over the top in a big performance, like we say. A transparent, syrupy little phony with about as much to offer a man as Cuckoo the Bird Girl. Um, Hilda Sims' performance here is Anne is so laid back yeah. and in the know and chill and controlled and smooth. I, I just loved everything. Like I was shocked that this was happening yeah. and that uh, a black woman was getting fucking lines. In a in a movie in the 1950s, and also knocking them out of the park, I think this is the best performance. Carol Narrows, what do you think? I think it's an excellent performance. Mm-hmm. I think, as Trishma said, she looks amazing, and um, it was a highlight for me in this film, to be honest with you, because yeah. it was a real standout. I want her movie, right. you know, like I want to know what's going on in her. Like, why did we got mm-hmm. not get more of her? I'm, I will dig into her remaining films, but it really is so sad that. She only did a handful, yeah. and then she couldn't work anymore. She passed away in '94, uh, but she apparently had a very good life after this, and became a kind of master's in teaching or something like that. And you know, w- but just uh, incredible woman that we should make note of and celebrate here because fucking nobody else is. I never heard of this woman before. Hilda Sims, though, she is on our list. Spotlight. Put a statue, you know. Spotlight on. Spotlight on Hilda Sims. Mm. Great name too, Hilda Sims. Nice. Anyway, she's got all the information and she explains that she knows. There's no way that Nanny killed herself. That girl was too busy, by which she means operating. She's too busy climbing the ladder, finding a new target, exploiting said target, esca- you know, getting up there uh, to, you know, for her own ends, basically. Because she knew 
nanny back in the day, like at the beginning of her journey in New York City. Peter's like trying to figure out, well, who did she live with before Claire? Everybody thought it was assumed it was a woman. I don't know why, but it, he does piece it together that uh, you know, Anne has the information. She's like, no, it was a man, you know, like, and this is the address. I remember it because it's all nines, which is weird. So that's why I have this at hand. And he goes to the address and he s- discovers that it's one of his actors mm. who is sort of like sheepishly like, oh, you figured it out. huh? Oh, okay. And the uncle says that he believes that Peter is her lover. Like she'd been talking about this new love affair and he just pieced it together that it was Peter. And while they are talking about this, the police show up and Pete runs, runs away again. It's just his MO right now, but they know that he's there. And so they're like, well, everything that he told you, you tell us right now. And the uncle rolls over, of course. So Peter sneaks home. And when he sneaks home, who should walk in, but his wife, Iris. What is amazing, what I love about this is that you would think that it would lead to a big dramatic blow up or something like that, but she is so happy to see him because at this point, we got an APB out for somebody who looks exactly like Van Heflin and might may have murdered somebody who looks like Little Orphan Annie. She knows this is not true. She's still standing by him. It's pretty amazing. And she's happy to see him and she believes him. Now, she agrees to get Lottie out of the house So Peter can speak with Brian because Pete put it together that, look, everything I've been hearing about the story that she was telling people, and they assumed it was me, is that all they knew is that she had met somebody, they had fallen in love, his wife is very famous Mm. and wealthy, and so the man cannot leave because it would be a scandal and also uh, money issues, I guess. And so that's the issue. Everybody hears this story without a name attached to it and just assumes it's Peter. Peter, okay. But the reality is, as Peter points out, there's more than one man in this building who fits that description, and his name is Brian. And so he wants to throw this in Brian's face. Now, it turns out that Brian did, in fact, totally knock her up. Oh. Can I enter an alternative theory? Oh, I'd love to hear it, please. Okay. I'm not saying Brian didn't knock her up. What I'm saying is I think she came to New York pregnant, and that's why a girl was so hungry all the time. She's asking everybody for a meal. So I think she came to the city with some country-ass bun in the oven. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was looking for a mark that would Carolyn, pave her way. That's an amazing conspiracy theory. She's because like, all this happens eat, within the I span of three so months. Much. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. She's always hungry. She's always fretful. When he meets her, though, it's actually, but when he meets her, she would be three months in at the very least. At the least. Yeah, and she's not showing. Yeah, you don't really it, start you're not really showing them. Yeah, okay. I thought she was homeless. Oh. That's why she was eating so much. And that's why she kept needing a place to stay. <laughs> well, she doesn't need a place to stay, but I think girl was knocked up when she arrived on the uncle's doorstep. And she, because from the moment she arrived in the city, she was like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I think she was knocked up and she thought that the young, the brother, the lawyer dude was a good mark at first. But then when she's like, oh, man, I found better. Well, let's be real here. Uh, Brian, Brian doesn't have the 
getting greedy there. Brian doesn't have the stuff to get the job done. But think. the brother was cuter. No. I felt. Yeah, but the brother doesn't have any money yet. No, he does have money. They're they're wealthy. Amber Lee's are wealthy. No, uh, yes, I know, but he's like Not still yet. in law school. He hasn't school, inherited. Yeah, okay. And okay. he and she had to wait for him to propose till he turned twenty one. Mm, and so right. she kind of was on a bit of a time crunch there. If you this think is, about her arriving, all of this adds. This is a great. Carolyn, I think you've just blown it wide open. I love it. I love it. I'm I I am on board with your conspiratorial thinking. For the sake of the the film as it exists, though. Brian's like, yeah, it was me. I did it, you know. We flash back to her telling Brian in the Denver apartment that she is pregnant with his kid. So she plans to blackmail Peter over the kid and say that it's Peter's baby. That way, Brian can divorce Lottie and then they can be together. It's something like that, right? She wants to take the heat off of Brian. Yeah, sure. <laughs> This is all you, you're probably uh, fl- drifting off into dreamland at this point. But this is the thing. And Brian's like, wait, you want to sell out one of my best friends, Peter, just so we can have this baby together? He is shocked at how callous she is about the whole thing. And it is rather shocking because she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just sell out Peter and then we can be together. Uh, end of. Now, in present time, Lottie and Iris show up with the detective. At this point... The detective pulls out his trump card, which is, well, fellas, I'm glad you've had the apartment to yourself to discuss all the dirty details of this crime we're trying to solve because I've had the apartment wired. And now we're going to listen to the beginning of this conversation. He goes over to the fireplace and like pulls out a bug and shows it to him, to which I have to ask, Carolyn, Mm -hmm. is this legal and is it admissible in court, this recording? Uh. When was this movie made? 1950-something? 54. Um, I'd have to look at the legislation, but I honestly think that a lot of the wiretapping laws... We're still we pre-Miranda rights, right? Because right. this is right after Dragnet, so... Right, and I think that um, a lot of our current understanding of, uh, like you need a warrant for a wiretap yeah. actually mm-hmm. comes from the 1970s. I see. I see. Um, but I, I have to, I'd have to check my references. Sorry. Yeah, but, I, uh, I mean, uh, that sounds, I mean, technically you need a warrant, but I feel like maybe in this time period that wasn't in place. I yet. think they were doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do. You know, yeah, I really much. do. But like, did you break into my house and bug it? Yeah. I'm going to throw this in my face. Man. I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, I guess so. So, it turns out that Lottie thought that Nanny was Peter's girl, but she also knew that her husband Brian had somebody on the side, mm-hmm. had a side piece, but didn't think that it was Nanny. That seems that seemed crazy to her. So then we get a young actor who enters. This is an interesting scene. He shows up. He's been summoned by the detectives, and we meet this this kid who recognizes Peter from um, auditioning for a, a place a couple years prior. So he knows this guy. Now, Peter, because he's a producer, is like, and you are but you know, one of those things. But eventually he, does, he is like, yeah, oh yeah, for this role, I do kind of remember that. Yes, uh, we do know each other. Now, it turns out that this young actor had seen Peter when this crime was apparently taking place, which absolves him 
of his guilt because he's like, you know, I was keeping my eye on you because I did want to talk to you about a role. And uh, also I'm a ticket taker there, but it's only temporary. I'm a very serious actor and I would like you to take me seriously. And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to deal with this first. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) I'm being accused of murder here. Lottie's part of the story is that she had gone down to the Denver's apartment and heard them arguing inside and heard Nanny say, no, Peter, I don't want to do, you know, or whatever, said his name. So she's like, that's how I knew that it was you in there. But then this actor comes in and is like, no, he was at the theater. So it's got to be somebody else. So now we're questioning Lottie's story. What is happening now? And the detective gets all up in Lottie's face and we get a new flashback in which Lottie listens in on a phone conversation between Brian and Nanny. And this is when it becomes clear to her that there is an affair happening. So she then goes for Nanny to give her the boot. Like, you got to pound sand, you know, get out of town. Like, you need to leave town. I do not want you around anymore. And I don't like you fucking my husband without my say so. So you got to go. But Nanny gets inside of her head. And it's just like, you know, He's never going to love you the same way, and he's tired of living in your shadow, and we love each other. We're going to have a baby and all this stuff. And Lottie just snaps, and she strangles Nanny. And then the final blow, the detective pulls out his floor plan that he had drawn, right? Or the, the paper that he had taken when he was drawing the floor plan with Lottie's doodles and handwriting. And they had done a forensic handwriting analysis and it matched up with the fake suicide letter. What's that, Carolyn? For worst part. This is just, I was like, oh, come on. (laughs) And so it turns out, boy, Lottie done it. And as we close out the film, Peter speculates in rather sexist fashion that um, you know, she's going to use her feminine wiles and performing, you know, her, her performance skills as an actor to work the jury and then they'll go to jail or something like that, you know, for her eventual acquittal. So but is there part two where there's the trial? Ah, boy, that's a, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to look into it and find out. I, not that I'm aware of, but could be. Maybe it's a sequel we need to be writing. Mm. You guys tell me. But so concludes 1954's Black Widow. Well done. Excellent. There it was. There it was. Now I must say I like these movies more than your love arc. You like the noirs, the noirs of more, it's better than. I think I like the genre more. Love at like home and abroad. The, the mystery. You like the murder mystery yeah. aspect. Sure. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, it does keep things moving. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to get bogged down less in yeah. this these types exactly. of movies. I think. Yeah. That being said, there does tend to be a lot of uh, moments of silence and people walking around, sneaking and creeping. Tend mm-hmm. to be not, you know, uh, sonically engaging, but it's fun to watch anyway. But right. uh, okay, well, that's great to hear. So you've got two more coming. So it's going to be a great march for you. Congrats. Well, let's do our business. So Shrishma. Yes. 1954, Van Heflin, Ginger Roberts, Gene Tierney, and a bunch of other people, Black Widow. Do we keep watching this? Yes. 
we can keep it. This was not so bad. I st- I did fall asleep, but it was not because it was a bad movie. It was because I was tired. You were sleepy, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, it was good. It was. It was a night. Nice, it was a decent pace, also. It moves. Uh, it's uh, what hour thirty seven or yeah. something like that. I mean, it's it's a I'm okay. I think package. I like this one. I think uh, okay. And then the representation watch twice was a plus. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so I, I'm okay. I can we can keep this one. Okay, great. It's a yes for Shrishi Boo. Carolyn now rose. What's the sister vote on 1954's Black Widow? My vote is no, because okay. I cannot stand the little orphan nanny hair. <laughs> Um, but also, I feel like this particular investigation was this part of the Who Done It was a little flimsy. Did old David Time Machine watch this one with you? No, he did not. Oh, he did not. Oh, okay, I was he just I'd be curious to hear his analysis of the policing. That he was done would have in this movie. also laughed at the like handwriting and doodle analysis. Hey, that holds up in court, apparently. <laughs> no. Okay, so it's a it's a barely no from you, or is it a yeah, major it, no from you? No, it's just it's just a no. Okay, just a flat no. All right, yeah. fair enough. Split decision, you guys. Boy, where do I go? Where do I go? What do I do? No, it's a yes from me. It's not a strong yes, right? But I will say that there's nothing terribly offensive in this movie. It it does move, and there's some intrigue, and I think, but. Shrishma, like you mentioned, like the real nail in the coffin of this argument is Hilda Sims right. and her performances, and which I'm just shocked to see. I can't believe that such a thing exists. Mm. We've watched so many of these fucking movies with right. nothing close to this nothing. that I got to keep it, mm. if only because this is only one of five movies that she made or whatever. Right. So, Also, I think the closest thing to it was uh, Little Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yes, Exactly. In the, the beach party. Basically. I think that's the only other example of somebody, yeah, being treated as a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's a yes from me. Uh, you at home, you let us know what you think. You wa- give it a watch and you tell us yes or no. And so concludes 1954's Black Widow, you guys. We have done it again. Let's just talk real quick about next week's film. Now, of course, March rolls on. March marches on, if you will. And the noirs of March also march on. So, we're 1954 now. Next week, we will be joining 1955 in progress with 1955's Violent Saturday. Three men case a small town very carefully with plans to rob the bank on the upcoming Saturday which turns violent and deadly. Starring Victor Mature, Richard Egan, and Stephen McNally. Check it out. This one I have seen. I will reserve my judgment, of course, but I'm looking forward to doing this episode next week. But until then, thank you so much for joining me, guys, here at the Observatory Studios. Trishman Naik, Carolyn Nowrose, you guys are the best. Uh, we give our shout-outs to Catherine Sherlock and Brindis Arena's daughter as well. They are with us in spirit, but also they've got a lot of paperwork to do because this show does not run itself, people. But now I will send it over to myself in the future to do a little outro. Take it away, fella. 
Thank you so much, me from the past. You know, I'm just the bumper voice, but I'll tell you, this podcast that you guys just listened to, I mean, it's pretty good, right? I think this might be my favorite show. Anyway, you let us know what you thought about that opinion or the movie Black Widow or about the little orphan Annie Hare or whatever you want. Just write to us, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Also follow us on the socials. We are at Time Machine Podcasts on Instagram. And, you know, wherever you're listening to the show, give us five stars. It's real easy. You just got to click the button. You know, it's nothing to you guys, but it's everything to us. Now, next week, as mentioned, we are going to be watching 1955's Violent Saturday. This is fortunately very available for most of us at home here. And you can find it if you want to watch it. And I suggest you do, guys. Get caught up before next Wednesday when this episode drops. Violent Saturday is available for rent or purchase at the following locations. Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, DirecTV, and of course, the grand champion of all streaming platforms, AMC Movies, no, AMC Theaters On Demand. It's too long, guys. I can't read the logo. Anyway, get caught up on Violent Saturday, and we will catch you right here next Wednesday. But until then, please, don't you dare forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine.